Welcome back to the Express Yourself Black Man Podcast. My name is Kizzle, or Kofi, and I'm a mental health advocate, public speaker, and founder of A Kizzle Brand, which is a project aimed at raising awareness for depression and helping people through difficult times. Studies show that on average, men lose 2.8 years of their life when they're under heavy stress. The point of this podcast is for me to gain those 2.8 years back. As a black man, society often tries to tell me what I can, can't do, or talk about which can often leave me feeling trapped. And so this podcast is my release. And if you're listening to this podcast right now on a podcast streaming platform, I just want you to know that this episode is actually uploaded on YouTube. You can watch this episode on YouTube. So if you'd like to do that, please head over to YouTube, type in Express Yourself Black Man Podcast. You can type in the episode number or the episode title and the episode will pop up. Please, please, please do us a favor, regardless of if you're going to watch the episode on YouTube or not, subscribe to our channel, Express Yourself Black Man. That is where the platform is moving. Right now, we are heavily based on Instagram. And while that is dope, Instagram does not pay us for the content that we post. So that means we spend hours making content, which helps you guys, but doesn't really help us to build a platform outside of building new followers. And while that's great, it's not enough. So please head over to YouTube. That way, it's a win-win for both of us. You guys get extra free content, and we get paid for the content that we post, while also having the opportunity to have a larger impact and a larger reach to the black community. So if you rock with us, if you support us, if you're interested in helping us further the platform, please take some time out of your day to subscribe to us on YouTube. Express yourself, black man. I'll give y'all a couple seconds to do that before the episode actually starts. Regardless of what you decide to do, I appreciate you for listening. All right, so I'm here with Javon Wooden. Javon is a mindset coach and the owner of Live Not Loathe, which is a coaching practice to help people become more confident and increase their self-esteem without feeling judgment or guilt. So Javon, how you doing? I'm doing well, King. How are you? How you doing, Kofi? I'm good, man. I'm good. So, you know, I just wanted to get started and just talk about like what led you into mindset coaching and also how would you describe mindset coaching to someone that's trying to understand it for the first time? Sure, sure. First and foremost, before I even get into that, I want to thank you for sharing your platform with with me. I see you doing amazing things. This is needed for the community, especially black men. Um, Mm -hmm. So before I even get started, I want to commend you and thank you for that. Thank you, man. Uh, Yeah, my pleasure. So mindset coaching, mindset coaching encompasses a lot of things, right? Mindset coaching encompasses your perception of your external reality and yourself. It encompasses your self-confidence. It uh, encompasses the way you look at, you know, situations, bad or good, right? How you respond to those things, emotional intelligence, all of that falls under mindset coaching. So for me, what I, what I did and how I got started was I realized that my, I, I myself actually struggle with it, right? I myself mm-hmm. struggle with my own self-confidence. I struggle with my own lack of vulnerability and these limiting beliefs that prevented me from really ascending and achieving my greatness, right? So that's how I got started. I had to go get help in order to be able to help. Uh, okay. So how did you, how would you describe like you going to get help? What did that process look like for you? Man, that process was a journey, brother. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I, <laughs> I went through a lot of things, you know, in my youth, um, I was facing seven years in prison, and all that other stuff. But it wasn't until later, actually 2017, mm-hmm. uh, that I had came back from Afghanistan from my, my final deployment. 
And I was just so depressed, man. I was struggling with PTSD, having mm-hmm. terrible nightmares. I couldn't sleep. I didn't want to do anything that I love. And then I was on the brink, man, where I felt like I just wanted to end it all. Really? And yeah. And I had called my sister. I called my older sister, Chandra. And, I, you know, she sat on the phone with me as I cried. And I just, all the pain that I held in for 30 plus years, 30 years, mm-hmm. you know, at the time, I had to release it and she heard all that pain. And it mm-hmm. wasn't until that, that I realized that something was up. I couldn't fight it myself anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that next day I actually went to the VA, signed up for a therapist. I actually invested in my own life coach. And mm-hmm. then I just started, you know, trying to really intentionally do the work. And I also started sharing with my family, these feelings, right? So I started sharing my little sisters. I started sharing with my mom that I wasn't okay. My friends. So that's how it, it became a thing for me. Wow. Okay. That's dope. I didn't know that you were, you, I didn't know that all of that happened. Like you were facing seven years in prison and you were, you yeah. know, you had suicidal ideations and all of that stuff, man. So um, that's a great journey that got you to the point where you're at right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. It's a blessing. You know, I was, I was able to get through that and, and now I can help others, you know, who may be going through similar things. Right. And so I have that wishing and that insight. Right. Absolutely. And it's, and it's dope. I think, especially when we have people that have been through, the struggle of like depression, anxiety, suicidal ideations and all that, because I can relate to your story because in 2017, I kind of faced a similar thing. Um, I just had my own, I, I had my own battle with depression and I was going through suicidal ideations. Like mm. I wasn't at the point where I felt like I was going to try and, you know, engage in suicide, but I did think to myself, like, I don't want to be here anymore. Right. Like, and, and in that moment, I was like, damn, something's wrong. And so, like, speaking about that, when did you realize, like, okay, I need to be more vulnerable here. I need to talk about what's going on. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, like I said, 2017 was when I actually did it. But I actually realized it a lot sooner. I realized it while I was in in jail facing those Mm. seven years. Um, Mm -hmm. I was about 17 years old around then. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what landed me there was the fact that I wasn't vulnerable. I thought I had to do everything on my own. I thought I had to be the man of the house because of how I grew up, right? Mm -hmm. My siblings, my mom. And crazy thing is, I grew up in a a polygamous household. So my mom was actually wife number two, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's crazy because I didn't know what love was. I didn't know what, you know, that type of affection was. So I went and searched it in the streets. I was like, yo, I got to get money. I got to do these things. And then I got locked up. Mm -hmm. And what made me vulnerable at that point or realized I needed to become a little more vulnerable was because I seen the pain in my mom and my sister's face, right? When they came to visit me, right? I was facing that time. I never seen them that worn down. And I went up and the first thing I did with show vulnerability was pray to God. Because before mm-hmm. then, I actually have an Islamic background. I was raised to pray five times a day, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I didn't do it, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't do any of that stuff. But that was the moment where I was like, God, I'm actually reaching out to you. I, have, I probably hadn't did this since I was five years old, however old, mm-hmm. right? On my own. And then once I got out by the grace of God, that's when I started telling like my friends, I didn't, I still didn't talk to my family at this time about what was going on, but my closest friends, my homeboy Reese, you know, I was telling him like what was happening, you know, how not having a father affected me and not how not knowing what really being a man was affected me mm-hmm. or how to express my emotions. Cause I was an angry kid, you know? Mm-hmm. So I really, I knew if I didn't do something soon, I was either going to be right back behind in bars or I was going to be dead. Damn. And so, I have so many questions, but 
the first question I want to ask is like, how did Reese take that in that moment? How was how was his response? Yeah, Reese, you know, Reese always been a solid guy, man, since we was younger. So he he just listened. Like mm -hmm. he listened to me and then, you know, he was like, hey, if you want my opinion, you know, I got you. If not, then, you know, I, I'm here for you. He's never mm. been like a super emotional dude, but he's always been there for me. Like I could literally, you know, that was one of the few people I, I didn't feel bad about shedding tears in front of at that time. Right. You know? Because you felt comfortable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was that's more than a brother to me. Right. So, you know, he knew everything about what was going on with me. Right. He right. knew all my dirt. He do everything. So he was he was key in getting me past that time, those dark times. Um, right. still is. Right. And I think it's so important that you talked about you feeling comfortable because you never were judged by Reese. Right. right? Um, right. And I think we could all take something from that, because if we want to show up as better friends, partners, cousins, family members, whatever the case may be, we have to stop passing judgment when yes. we hear things about people just because we wouldn't do it or just because we wouldn't respond a certain way doesn't mean that that person has to respond the same way. And so I think that's so important, man. Like, that's why I wanted to know how to Reese handle it because obviously like now seeing you, you're, you're articulate, you're expressive, you got over that period of time and you mentioned Reese being, you know, one of the contributors to that. So I wanted to know like, what was his approach? And all the time when I talk about people like feeling comfortable uh, talking to people, it's always they feel most comfortable with people that just don't pass judgment. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and you don't even have to like, you know, when you're listening, actively listen, you don't have to listen to respond, right. you know, listen to understand what's going on. Right. That person may not even need you to say anything. It could be the venting that's really helping them. Right. right. That shoulder to lean on, I, I think is very important and, and allow that person to take time. Right. Don't right. force them. Don't force them. Just let them let it go. Let it out. Right. And that's what he did very well. You know, he literally just sit there and listen. Right. Um, and I, if I say, like, what do you think about this? Then that's when he would, you know, give his piece and, and let me know how he felt. Or if it was something that sounded a little dangerous, like I'm about to go do this. He'd be like, nah, nah, you know, chill. I don't think we need to go to that. You know, yeah. So he, he was a master at being able to read the room and understand right. at that moment. Right. And I think that's so important. I think that's something that I definitely need to get better at. Like I can read the room and tell like what's going on, but I often... Yeah input my advice too much just because it comes from a place of love and i'm just like yo you could do this and you'll be good right hey, and i think a lot here, of, yeah, and i think a lot of us do that right like it's hard same for us here. to just pull back like i have a brother and just like sometimes i see things and i'm like damn like you should do this you should do that and it's like in that moment he's not ready to receive that so it doesn't come off right. well right or he's right. not able to he's not able to take it in and sometimes I just need to be a big brother role where it's just supportive, right? Like I just support in that moment. And if he's asking directly for advice, then I can give my two cents. But um, it's hard for me to kind of make that distinction when it comes to family. I've been I've been a little bit better with friends, but with family, it's like, damn, man, like I love you so much. I just wish you would just right. do this. Um, yeah. But sometimes that's not what they need in that moment, man, for real. No, nah, that's true, man. Because And it's hard, like you said, because it's coming from a place of love and you just want better for them. You want more mm -hmm. for them. You don't want them to feel pain or stress and all these other things. So I, right. I get that, man. I It wasn't until, you know, one of my good friends actually told me, like, you know, sometimes you don't have to have the solution, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and that was years ago. And I took that to heart. I'm like, you know what? I do always try to problem solve, right. you know, and I don't mm -hmm. have to be the problem solver all the time. Right. Um, yeah. and that's when I started like waiting. And, and in coaching, we do it a lot where we wait. We give that silence. Silence is welcome in coaching because you never know if the person has finished their thought. So you want to give that space, you know, where it's quiet and maybe they have to process a little more. So that's what I've learned over the years. 
give that allow silencing you know silence sometimes is uncomfortable but it also should be welcoming right when you're talking right. to, you know that you know there's no harm coming about there's no you know you're not trying to combat you're not trying to prove points mm -hmm. so that silence should be welcome where processing thoughts um, you're giving that space to do that right yeah absolutely man man there's some gems being dropped right now just to continue on we talked about vulnerability and that's what led us into this like this conversation so what has vulnerability done for you huh. everything man i would not be sitting here talking to you if it wasn't for me becoming vulnerable you know my whole platform is vulnerability of strength and the reason why i say that is because it has opened me up to so much serendipity mm -hmm. right i have had so many blessings in my life just because I've talked to a person that I wouldn't normally talk to who wasn't in my, my sphere of, um, you know, influence readily, you know, or mm -hmm. maybe uh, they didn't look like me, or maybe I went and tried to do that class that I was like, man, I don't know if I should do that. You know, it's, it's not my, my cup of tea, but I know I need to learn this, you know, like a sales class I just took. I didn't really want it. I wanted to do that, but I wasn't comfortable doing it because it wasn't something I knew, right? It was unfamiliar with me. I'm not a salesman. Right. But in order to do this business, you have to know marketing, sales, you have to know everything. Right. So that actually elevated me. And I realized that I wasn't actually selling. Right. I'm, I in mindset coaching is transformation. That's what I focused on. So mm -hmm. I had to change my own perception of what I was doing right. um, so I can actually serve people better. Right. This business, it's a business. But I, I was focused on just the transformation of people. So that allowed me to open up. And then another uh, time I was vulnerable was military. Mm. I had such a bad picture of what the military was for, for black men and black people. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think about any institution, the damage that has been done to our communities because of institutions, uh, including the military, right? We, our people will go over, serve, you know, get damaged mentally, get physically, you know, harmed, mm -hmm. come back, still not be able to buy that house, right? right? Still be caught, you know, the N word and still be mistreated. Um, right. as a human. So I thought about that. But then being the vulnerable person that I was at the time, because honestly, I almost didn't have any other choice. I was, <laughs> you know, I was like, either this or I'm going to be back, like I said. So I took that leap of faith and it has opened me up to everything. You know, I'm a cybersecurity professional by trade originally, and I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't go to the military and become an IT specialist. So right. all the little steps that was taken that only occurred because I opened myself to be vulnerable and allowed serendipity in my life. Right, man. Nah, that's dope, man. That's dope because so often as as black men right like we go through life and we feel like we have to be super masculine and for us masculinity is like withholding our emotions not being vulnerable not showing a sign of weakness and most of the times we associate any kind of emotion that's outside of anger or joy with weakness you know sadness frustration confusion all of those are perceived as like weakness if you're a black man so i'm so glad that you talked about your vulnerability as a strength and it leading to so many positives in your life, because I feel like a lot more, a lot more people and just black men need to hear that for real. Yeah, nah, for sure, bro. I think, you know, vulnerability means certain different things for different people. But I think the one thing I can tell people to do when they're feeling uncomfortable and they know it's something to help move them forward, just try it. Just go for it. You know, mm -hmm. take that step. You don't have to see like Martin Luther King's quote is one of my favorites. You know, you don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a part of vulnerability. 
You know, you don't have to know the outcome. A lot of outcomes we cannot control. Right. But you can control your effort and you can control what you're putting into it. Right. Mindset right. and your emotions are two things that you can control and, and have yourself utilize them in a positive way. So right. I always say, like, for black men, vulnerability, we weren't taught that. We were taught right. the exact opposite. So you really have to reprogram. And that's another thing that made me want to be a mindset coach. Mm -hmm. That reprogramming that needs to take place in order for us to move the needle forward for our communities, for our families, it's going to take some time. But right. the more and more we see one another going ahead and do that, the more and more we see mental health talked about, the more and more we see people maybe we, we look at for inspiration or motivation mm -hmm. talking about these things. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to expedite the process of us becoming who we are destined to be. Right. And I just want to talk about like how much power there is and us both talking about the fact that we had suicidal ideations, like because oftentimes suicide is not uh, normalized and not even just that it's not normalized. There's no conversation around it in our community because it's seen as taboo of taboo, which is like it's a taboo of, of even mental health. Like even some mental health professionals don't want to talk about suicide. Right. So like if we have, a, if mental health is a taboo in the black community, just imagine how much of a taboo suicide is. Right. And so I think there's so much power to black men, destigmatizing not only mental health, but also speaking about suicide because men have a higher suicide rate than women. Right. And like, this is something that you pointed out to me when we had our conversation and we were, we were talking about it and we were trying to understand why. And like, one of the things that we pointed back to and the reason why we kind of doing this episode about vulnerability is because we started to think about, well, think about the differences between men and women. Like we have this mm -hmm. huge gap as far as like how we express ourselves. And with men, like I said earlier, and like we've been talking about this entire time, it's hard for us to be vulnerable. So now we're going through our entire lives, just withholding all of this stress. And like, that was one of the main reasons why I started the podcast. Like, in all of the intros for the podcast, I always talk about men uh, being under heavy stress and yeah. it's stripping them of or us of 2.8 years of our lives. Like when you don't express that and when you don't deal with that, it literally strips us of our lives, like our livelihood. Like we lose years of our life when we don't deal with our stress. And if it gets too bad in some in, in a lot of cases, which it does, we tend to point to 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 suicide. And one of the things that I was I was looking up about suicide or some of the thing, one of the things I heard about suicide is that suicide is not like someone like giving up or or, you know, just trying to find the easy way out. Suicide is someone looking for an out like they're just like, yo, I just want this to stop. Like, I just want the pain to stop. And I think yeah. a lot of people don't understand that. Right. Like a lot of yeah. people are like, why would someone engage in suicide like why why would that even happen and because they're going through so much pain and stress trauma whatever the case may be that that seems like the only logical solution to what they're dealing with right, right. And, and, and for men since we're not taught how to regulate and process our emotions suicide is like the next honestly for lack of better words best thing because we don't know how to get rid of all of the stress and trauma that we have, right? So it's like, okay, I can't talk about it. I, I, so what do I do now? I can't keep going through it. Right. So what is the other, what's the, what's the other solution? Right? Like, where do you go from there? And that's, that's the thing. That's where the help comes in, man. 
you know, like you said, we're not taught how to deal with it and regulate um, our emotions and our feelings. So a lot of us, you know, we forget that there's there's help out there when we when you're in it. Right. Right? Because you're trying so hard to hold it in. You're trying so hard to be the strength and be the rock and be all these other things, right? right. That society told you you should be. Right. Well, I'm gonna tell you what where that gets us is there's about three, almost four times as many deaths for men by suicide as there are for women. Mm. Right. And that's what that's where that gets us is that holding it in and and you know trying to resolve things by ourselves and not talking to family about what's going on, not sharing what's happening, not being willing to get therapy and the, the mental health, you know, just the help that you need. So I I implore everyone, all especially black men, to mm. go ahead and get that help. And even if you don't feel like you need a therapist, just try it out. Because a lot of us are carrying, you know, so much weight that we don't even realize, right? right? We've had traumatic experiences, we may have blocked out. And then when something happens, and you don't know how to deal with it properly, that's when you fall into that abyss, right? You feel hopeless, feel that that pain that you talked about, um, that where you just like, oh, man, I can't take this. I cannot take this. You know, I talked about having the nightmares um, from my PTSD, right? Those are the same nightmare over and over, driving me crazy, Mm -hmm. you know, the same nightmare. Um, so what happened was there was a suicide bombing over Bagram where I was stationed um, that killed a few soldiers and, and contractors. So I was part of the Remains cleanup team. So what bothered me was having to treat the suicide bomber the same as I had to treat my brothers and sisters who, who he actually killed. Right. right. So I couldn't get past. That's why I kept having the same nightmare. I would see right. the explosion. Right. Because I was I was there. Mm-hmm. So I would see the explosion. But then I would also see myself having to come back right to treat right. him the same as, as them and i would always be doing the same thing right walking mm-hmm. over the hill. and it just drove me insane so that caused you know pain that i thought was irreversible but right. it's not once you learn the proper coping strategies once you go ahead and get that that help from people who are trained to assist in these types of situations it will make you feel so much better right i don't even have that nightmare anymore Mm-hmm. Because I've gone, got that 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 therapy. I actually did cognitive behavioral therapy specifically, right, right. to get over that and change my relationship with everything. So, right. in order to lower that level from four times as many deaths as women, I want to lower all of that, right? Of course, right. but we have to be willing to be vulnerable and share when we need help. Right, man. Thank you so much for talking about that because I think that's going to help a lot of people. Just hearing your story about what you dealt with and the severity of what you dealt with, right? Because I think that's as, like, it's probably not, you know, it's, it's different strokes for different people, right? Like some people may may not call that severe, but for me, right, from what I've what I've dealt with, I haven't been, um, I'm not a soldier, I haven't, I'm not a veteran, right? So like for me, that's super severe. And I think there's a lot of average men like myself that have not been in that situation that would think of that as severe. And so if they look at you and say, yo, he made it through that. I can definitely make it through what, I, what I'm what i going through, right? And so I think that'll definitely be an inspiration for, for a lot of different people. I mean, I just want to yeah. plug in the suicide prevention hotline just in case someone is in that space where they're having suicidal ideations. First thing I want to say is it's okay to be thinking about suicide because I've been there, you've been there, right? And on top yeah. of that, your yeah. life your life matters. I mean, you are loved and the, the suicide prevention uh, lifeline is 800-273-8255. 800-273-8255. So give that a call if you ever get to the point where you feel like it's too much for you. Appreciate you sharing that too, man. Yeah, absolutely. 
So like, let's keep going. What, what do you think? So we've been talking about vulnerability. Like, what do you think are some tips and advice you would try to give a man that's trying to be vulnerable for the first time? Yeah, I, w- I would tell the first thing I would say is process your feelings, right? Mm-hmm. Take some time to really understand what's going on, right? Before you try to express it, right? You have to try to get that understanding because you don't know, you know, if it's fear, if it's, it's sadness, if, if it's whatever, try to express it in the best way as possible, but take that time to understand it yourself a little bit. And that way you can speak to it intelligently, mm-hmm. right? And then I always suggest, you know, take that breath, take some time to just breathe, breathe it out while you're trying to express it to whoever you're expressing it to. And that way you can be respectful about it and let them know ahead of time, set the boundaries, set the expectations. Like, I just want you to listen, or I would like to know what you think, you know, try to set that ahead of time. So, you know, you're getting the help or getting the support that you need from that person. Right. Also, I would say, take gradual steps. You don't just have to jump in full force, try to go for everything when it comes to vulnerability, right? right. Find that one person that you feel you're comfortable with, that you can share some things with, uh, who, who you feel would give you that support that you need or who may understand, right? Or maybe you may want to join a group, you know, find a support group who have like-minded individuals or people who have gone through similar uh, situations as you. Um, it's very important. If you see the, the pattern here, it's very important to have support, right? right. Stop trying to go through it alone uh, because what happens is we just get in the same vicious cycle and it gets worse and worse every time you come back around that loop, Right. right. We have to make sure we're asking for what we need and we have to make sure that we're expressive about what it is in in an articulate way or the most intelligent way we can say it. You're not always going to be able to name what's going on, but just try to name the emotion that you're feeling or the feelings that you have. I mean, that allows you to really express it a little better when you put a name to it and a feeling to it. Man, that's dope. Thank you so much for the gems, bro. Yeah, my pleasure, man. My Thank pleasure. Thank you bro. so much, bro. So before we end, I just want to I want you to be able to plug in your socials, whatever it is that, you know, wherever people can find you and anything that you may, may want to give attention to or advertise, like just just let people know. OK, for sure. Yeah. Everywhere on social media, you catch me, Twitter, IG, Facebook, YouTube, just type in live, not loathe. They all pop up. Um, if you want to, I just wrote a book. It's actually available for pre-order probably about another week by the time this drops, I'm assuming. You can catch that at ownyourkingdom.com. The book is called Own Your Kingdom, How to Increase Your Confidence, Build Your Self-Esteem, and Control Your Destiny. And if you want to go ahead and book a coaching call, it's a free discovery session. Just go to livenotloathe.com slash ownyourkingdom. My bro, Javon, thank you so much, bro. Hey, appreciate you, Kofi. Appreciate you, King. No problem. Thank you for taking the time out to listen to this episode. I truly, truly, truly appreciate you. So I really hope you got some valuable insight. And I hope I helped in some capacity, whether it be through the platform or the podcast. If you'd like to support for free, you can like this video if you're on YouTube. Or you can share and subscribe regardless of what platform you're listening to the episode on. If you'd like to support monetarily, now we're talking. You can go to shop.expressyourselfblackman.com and get yourself some merch. We have a hoodie, we have sweatsuits, we have shirts, we have hats. We also have an ebook on how to heal, where I discuss breakups, depression, and suicidal ideations, anxiety, and attachment styles. I go in depth about 
my story with dealing with all of those things. And then I explain how to heal in an easy guide. It's easy to follow. It's easy to go from reading to implementing. So if you're interested in that as well, it's in the shop. The book is called From Hurting to Healing, A Black Man's Guide to Feeling. So consider supporting monetarily, but regardless of how you support, I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day.